Back starting a startup. I'm your host Jordan, uh, covering a little bit more of a, kind of an update of where we're at. Um, if you haven't joined this podcast before, um, just this is this is the podcast where I'm trying to chronicle everything that we run into from starting a business to uh, a brick and mortar facility, also a um, an IT tech company, um, just experiences that I went through, things that I uh, issues that I had. Um, problems I had to try to solve and whatnot. So hopefully someday is there's uh, one of these podcasts will help out somebody, um, maybe get them going in the right direction. Anyways, after I'm done saying a million ums, I realized that in this podcast, there is a lot of things that I am not able to cover. You know, there's so much that happens every day with the business and I'm just not able to uh, pop onto one of these every single day. But um, all in all, you know, it's, it's really, I, I was thinking about this late last night. Um, you know, I, I still think back to the times of where I was questioning whether or not this was going to be a successful business. And I don't know if that question ever, ever went away, really. Um, you know, you see, <laughs> we're two months into business. Um, but I realized that a lot of business is just being just the willingness to say yes to the business that's there, the demand that's there. When somebody asks you, can you do this? Are you willing to do this? So your ability to say yes to those things is really what drives uh, a lot of your success. Um, but I was recently, you know, been really honestly just working flat out way too much. Um, you know, there's you've got to have some type of separation to, you know, have some personal life, have some you time, have some family time, you know, have all those pieces of your life all kind of step into, into place and uh, give you a chance to, to do something other than work because, you know, it's really the, the boredom and the separation that makes you think create, creatively. Well, the other day I was going through at the facility, and this is really what I want to talk about today is, again, emotional intelligence. And I've talked about this several times, but I was walking through and I had said something to Evan, and I was I was frustrated about something that was happening. And I, when anybody that knows me, when I'm frustrated about something, I talk very passionately about it. Um, I don't think I'm deep down to the core angry, but it's something that I portray it that way. And I hadn't really realized how severe it was. And, you know, I watch Evan's an insanely intelligent individual and he sits there and he just kind of, you could see, you could hear the stress in his chest when I was talking to him. And so later I went to him to talk to him about, you know, internalizing those stresses that were happening. Um, you know, just, Hey, don't, don't take it that way. You know, it's something that, you know, just understand that this is just me being passionate and how I talk. And when I started talking about it, he goes, no, it's cool, man. It's just, you know, higher emotional intelligence. And I walked away from that and I was like, what did he mean by that? And I realized that, you know, the only thing that way that could be taken was that he had the perception that he had a higher emotional intelligence than me. And I was a little bit, at first I was a little bit frustrated because I thought, you know, like the hell, like who, you know, just kind of threw that at me type of thing. And then I checked my ego and was like, shut the fuck up, Jordan. He's right. He does have a higher emotional intelligence than you, and he's calling you out right now. It took me four or five days to really understand what I was saying there or what was going on. And, you know, I talked to the team about something with that. You know, I, I, I walked over and I put my hand on Evan's shoulder and I told him, I said, hey, thanks for calling me out on that the other day. I, I needed that. I needed somebody to just kind of slap me across the face for a second and be like, dude, chill out. 
So I was talking with my team and um, there was something I read in a book recently. Um, and, you know, it actually kind of makes me want to want to read Shakespeare, surprisingly. <laughs> um, it's just the idea that nothing is inherently good or bad. Um, so what it was, uh, was that it's it's the perception. It was it was something that supposedly came from Shakespeare. So if I'm wrong, then whatever. You can send me a PM or something like that and tell me I'm stupid. But um, it was just that nothing's inherently good or bad. It's the things and the ways that you perceive them. So um, while, you know, there's st like stoicism where, you know, they prefer you know, wealth to poverty and health to, to sickness. You know, those are those obvious things. There's some assumptions that are made. But, you know, in the situation of I'm out of inventory, you know, is it is it of, you know, a certain product? Is it, oh, God damn it, you know, we're out of inventory. We You know, what, you know, how are we going to handle this? And how did this happen? And what are we going to do? Or is it, wow, that was a lot more popular than we thought. That's awesome. We were able to sell through all that. Let's get our next order in. You know, the, the small changes like that can make a big difference in your day-to-day. -day and it your team will, I mean, everybody around you, not even just the people that are your, uh, part of your team or, you know, working for you or anything, but the entire, everybody surrounding you is going to have a more positive demeanor with that when they can start to look at things as, you know, the glass half full. And, you know, it's really, it's just how you're viewing those things. So you, they, you think of the old phrase, the uh, rose-colored lenses, Everybody says, you know, there's she's there, he or she. They're seeing their eye, their world through rose uh, tint, rose tinted lenses, and it was kind of in like this negative, derogatory tone of like, they really don't see it how it is. But the thing is, is they do see it how it is. They see it how they choose to see it, and they choose to see it in a positive fashion, and like that it's a good thing that all things can be good. And I mean, what a world to live in at that point. What. Why would anybody not want to have that? Not want to have why, why would you ever want to invite negativity into your life if you have the pro possibility of controlling those those mindsets? Um, you know, it was two days ago. <laughs> we're talking about doing an expansion, and I'm sitting out talking with the mall management, and they were saying, "Hey, you know, uh, this is what you need to do." Blah 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 blah. And they said, "You know, we'll we're willing to help you out. We'll do you know whatever it, it takes." Um, let us know what you need. And, you know, they've been great partners and they're, so they're, they're genuine in that. And they said, listen, do me a favor. And this time, you know, maybe let us help you out. Cause last time you left about a quarter million dollars on the table with one of the things you said about saying you don't need our money. And I just kind of thought about that for a second and I laughed and went, well, that's a son of a bitch. And I said, all right, so I'll keep that in mind and move forward. It was a quarter million dollars that I lost, but you know what? I did my best. And it's not a big deal. I'm very happy with what we got and we were able to succeed and we're still moving along fucking great. Business is booming. So, you know, why get upset at it? I could sit there and really tear myself up about not hitting that quarter million dollars, but I'm actually kind of happy to have found that that happened. And I know that sounds super weird, but you know what? To know that I left that on the table and we still are being successful tells me that when I don't leave it on the table, I'm going to be in that much better shape. And that's really the framing. That's the, that's the things that we have to that you've got to be able to change your mindset to. And the emotional intelligence in that situation, most people would probably get angry or lose their shit over it. Nobody wants to do business with somebody that is like that. They want to do business with a guy that asks them what additional things you can do, and if you know there's anything that they're missing, or you know, and pays their bills on time. They don't have to chase them down and that type of stuff. But you know, there was that. That's that's the. That's, that's a huge component of success to everything in your life. It's just 
looking at things in a positive fashion and not allowing yourself to get, you know, really lit up about it. So it was, it wasn't but like four or five days later, I walked to the back room and I was saying something to Zach and Zach looks at me and goes, are you angry right now? I said, no, not at all. Why? And he goes, well, the way you're talking makes me think that you're angry right now. I was like, wow. Okay. Thanks for saying that. And I mean, cause I genuinely was not at all angry and you know, the, the, the team, we all, you know, we all support each other and we all push each other to think differently and, you know, be, be intelligent with our set, with our days. Um, you know, that makes a big difference is creating that culture of people that surround you. And, you know, I'm lucky I've got Evan who's like, dude, check your shit. I've got Zach who's like, check your shit. I've got Casey who's like, check your shit. I've got my wife that is like, slap me across the face and check your shit. <laughs> like, it's really nice to have that supporting group of, of people around you that feel comfortable to tell you that maybe you're being an ass, maybe you're being stupid, maybe you know you need to recorrect your framework or, or your your mindset on how you handle things. Um, so it was, um, a, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the freaking name of it. I think it's Epictetus. Um, so it's not things that upset us, but our judgment about those things. So. I was reading some Stoicism stuff recently. It was on Marcus Aurelius, and it said, um, I'm aware that I am thinking. And I stopped when I read that. Because as I thought about that, I thought, man, yeah, that's something I didn't used to have. I didn't used to think that I was thinking. I didn't used to understand that I am thinking. Things are not, like, how I perceive this world is not law. So, while I'm thinking about this bad situation or whatever, I'm implying, I'm taking my values on what the situation is and I'm applying them to that situation and invoking an emotional response out of that. Well, the thing is, is emotional responses are generally driven out of unpredictability or, or inexperience. So think about it this way. Let's, the, the last thing that surprised you and, you know, consider it bad news. And that last thing that you think that surprised you that you perceived as a bad thing. Okay. Had you thought that that could ever happen? Had you prepared? What would you do if that could happen? So the reason why I'm saying this is that the emotional response comes from the I don't knows because you don't you're 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 thinking you're trying to evaluate apply the values and there's no set this this is the the you uh, you do this because this happened. So let's just say I. I'm walking up to the house and I trip and fall. You know, I'm gonna put my hands out, I'm gonna stop myself, and then I'm gonna dust myself off and hopefully, you know, any anything that I'm hurt on, I may put some band-aids or whatever on. I'm not gonna get emotionally wired up from that. I'm not gonna get all like freaked out by it. But if I'm a kid, I might. Because I may not have experienced before that that fall, or I may not know exactly how to handle it. And I'm you know, it's the familiarity removes the emotional response. So the reason I'm bringing this up is I want you to think about this. If you know what to do for a bad situation, you're going to respond in a factual, intelligent manner with a, you know good emotional intelligence, not with anger or frustration or resentment or really any of the negative emotions that, I mean, everybody would agree is negative emotions. So how do you, how do you avoid that from happening in business? Well, it's, you prepare for it. You think, okay, if a customer comes in right now um, and is super pissed off at me over, let's say I double charge their card, how do I handle that situation? 
and you role play that situation out. You run it through your head. And the minute that somebody comes through and does that, you know exactly what to do. And you're so calm rather than getting defensive, argumentative or um, making the deep sighs. Those <sighs> while you're going that everybody can sense how you feel in that situation and it escalates the the frustration. So <clears throat> we had a uh, we had an event the other day and um, I won't use specific names, but we had the the person who was in charge of the event was crazy. I mean, just very, we, we saw it when we were booking the event that it was going to be a difficult situation. And, you know, I walked in and it was, the world was on fire. We were in the middle of the event and, you know, one of my team was just, you know, bashing heads with this customer. And I go over there, so I go over to the customer who I had booked the event. So we had a little bit of a relationship and she's just losing her shit on me of how we're making this so much work and how it's ridiculous. And, Honestly, in all in in hundred percent honesty, it's because she told us that she was unwilling to follow the rules before an event that we told her that she had to do about getting people set up pre-registered so we can block them out, whatnot. Refused to do it, so whatever we have to deal with it in that situation. But before I got there, it was they. I had one person who you know the the event coordinator person, the person in charge of the event, is punching the customer, and the customer is punching back, and they're just going back and forth. And I show up and I say, hey. It's cool. We got this one thing at a time. And the customer, the the lady that had the event was just, no, no, it's this and this. I said, no, one thing at a time. Let's get this. We'll get this. We'll get it figured out. And within 10 minutes, the employee and her are hugging. And all that changed, the only thing that changed was my demeanor in that situation. Because there was nothing else I could control. I couldn't fix the the anger, the resentment, or the frustration that had happened before. All I could do was react factually and handle the situation as it went forward. And all of a sudden, everybody was fine. So it was, you know, I, I perceived the situation of, you know, this, I was prepared for it. I perceived the situation as not a big deal. And everybody else surrounding it could feel that energy. And, you know, this might sound super hippie of me, but guys, you have a fucking energy. You have something that you put out that people can pass by you and can feel it. If you don't recognize that, you're going to fucking struggle. Because you have the ability to make that energy a positive, radiating, just explosive vibe to people that when they go by you, they want to be around you. Or you have the ability to make it a fucking black hole and nobody wants to come anywhere near you. What do you want in your life? Do you want that? Do you want to give it? Be people perceive you as that person that they don't want to be around? It's honestly, and it's not difficult, but you have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to be aware of your, your conscious thought and your values and not have the ego too much to say that your values are, are the only way that it's right. And I find myself falling into that role a lot where I think it's this way, therefore it is. And the more and more that you can remove yourself from that, the more warm people will feel towards you. Nobody likes Nobody wants to be around somebody who's angry, especially who's angry all the time. Um, so if you prepare for those unpredictable situations, you're often going to remove the, remove the uh, anxiety and the emotion and the fear uh, that you know, makes you lose your emotional intelligence and it allows you to be much more positive and calm. And people like being around that. And this is, this is why you know, the you know, 10, 15 year experienced CEOs, they go into a very intense contract negotiation and they're very calm and mild mannered. And they walk away with what they were looking for without it being a pissing match. 
You know, the idea of that old stereotypical CEO of the guy with a glass of whiskey and a cigar and they go in there with a suit and they just argue and fight their way to get what they want, I don't believe that really exists. I genuinely, through all of the negotiations I had, and maybe maybe I'm just really fucking bad at negotiating, but every successful negotiation I've ever had, I go into it and I listen to the other person's side of the story. And I listen to what they need. And I find, okay, what's fair for us? What can we make work? And what I end up finding happening is maybe I won't win that one negotiation. I may walk away and leave a quarter million dollars on the table. But you know what? This next negotiation I'm going into, they're telling me that. And they're saying, hey, this time we're going to do you really good. If I went in there and I was a dick at the last one, I probably still wouldn't have got the quarter million dollars. And I probably would be coming into this one, not any chance in hell of getting the full, uh, a really good deal at all. But I care about the people. The people that I'm dealing with on the other side of the negotiation table, I give a fuck about them. So they're going to be willing to give a fuck about me because they feel it. They feel that connection. I give that energy out there and they want to be a part of my life and I want them to be a part of my life. So when we're looking out for each other, we end up coming up with solutions that benefit each other. And that shit really happens. There is there is things out there where everybody wins. You know, they're granted it may not it it may be, you know, 50/50 rather than 80-20, but God, I'd rather live in a world where the negotiations make everybody equally, you know, successful, you know, than one person taking advantage of the situation, the other person feeling like they, they got ran through the, the dirt. But, you know, that calmness, that level-headedness, the, the conversation using facts rather than emotion is, it's one of the most challenging things that we do. You know, the other day, so I'm driving to, driving to school with Leah and for those of you who don't know me, my daughter's seven years old. Her name's Leah. She's insanely intelligent. And we have an amazing relationship. I mean, I can easily say she's one of my best friends. So we're driving to school. And I was just screwing around, you know, having a fun morning. And we were talking about, you know, what we were going to do that night. And I asked her what she was going to want for dinner. And she said chicken. And she goes, no eggs. And she goes, no nope, chicken. I said, wow, it almost sounds like your entire diet. And it was like... Eggs and chicken, eggs and chicken, eggs and chicken, toast. Eggs and chicken, eggs and chicken, eggs and chicken, toast. And she just kind of didn't even react. And, you know, typical dad being a jackass. And I looked back and she was reading a book. I said, do you want me to shut up so you can read? And she just says, yeah. And she keeps reading. And I laughed because it didn't invoke any type of, like, emotional response for me when she said yes because that's, that's all she wanted she just wanted some silence so that she could read her book and it was completely reasonable for her to say that and like we have this really direct communication between each other where we can do that and we don't have an emotional reaction from it and I thought man I cannot imagine talking to somebody and saying you know if if they were like do you want me to shut up and I just said yeah that it would be perceived in this, like, I mean, I, you, you put yourself in that situation. Think about that, where you, you're talking to somebody and you say, do you want me to shut up? And they just say, yeah. And that's it. Nothing else. Not yeah. I'm trying to do this or something like, you know, to, to deflect a little bit of the directness to it. I mean, you could feel it right now. I know you can, you can hear the stress of that, that directness coming through, but yet we don't have, I don't have that with this seven-year-old. I thought, man, what a world it would be if we could be that direct with each other without that emotional emotional response of that, you know, being offended or anything. Like, just, is this what you want? Yes, it's what you want. Cool, we move forward. And I still have a fantastic relationship with her. She's 
emotionally we're connected. We're, you know, we're, I'm, I'm one of her best friends, yet we're still very direct with each other without ever having that anxiety and stress to it. And, you know, I'm sure there's something to be said that I feel like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the adult here. So, you know, I can, I, I don't take it as, as harshly because I know like with my wife, if I said that and she just said, yeah, and left it at that, I probably would feel a little bit, I don't know, I could feel some, some stress from that or some, you know, it, it would hurt my emotions a little bit if I was trying to be fun and, and did that. Um, so, you know, it's things that I've got to still work on, but man, would I, would I love a world where I can talk to the world just like I talked to my seven year old girl and not have that, that emotional attack feeling for something that's just factual. And the best way I can work on that is to be, pre- be prepared for the conversations that happen, the situations that happen, and understand that I'm aware that I'm thinking. I'm, a, I'm aware that I'm imposing my values. I'm aware that I'm imposing my emotional responses on those situations. But that's, you know, that's a pretty obvious thing. You know, I've talked about this multiple times is working on multi- emotional intelligence. But there's probably, there's honestly, there's really not more much else out there that's going to help you be successful than emotional intelligence. Experience is the only other thing that's really going to get you paid more than anything else in the world. Um, is because the emotional intelligence is going to allow you to be able to lead people because you you know you're calm, demeanored, you're happy, you're radiating that energy, and that's that gets people to move along with you. Um, you know, so you have that, and then you have the you know the experience of time of how to handle those situations and. Um, you know, different ways of thinking about stuff uh, and creativity and uh, also being able to execute on those things because you, you know what step to take next. But, you know, there was, there, there was one other aspect to that drive to school with Leah. And I, I know I just completely jumped here, but follow me. So we get to school and, you know, when I was growing up, my dad always said when I walked out the door, he always said, do your best. And I always knew with my dad, he was always very accepting to whatever our performance was at school, as long as it was our best. And I may have talked about this before with a with the uh, a podcast, but you know that was that was freeing. It was something that I was able to know that I had control over the outcomes of what I was doing. That was the message my dad was trying to get across to me. And you know it's. Doing my best doesn't mean a perfect score. It doesn't mean, you know, getting a 4.1 or something like that or, you know, honors or whatever. It's literally what is your best. And you can't do your best at everything. If you've got 10 things that you have to do and you only have the ability to do five of them, you're going to do your best. I mean, those 10 things still have to get done. So, you know, three out of them are going to get done really fucking well. And the other seven are probably going to suffer because they have to take a little bit of you know, they, they don't have the amount of time and attention that they can be dedicated to them. But you still did your best right there. So ha- doing your best does, it gives you a level of understanding that there's going to be failures. And, you know, and, uh, but with that, I mean, every everything that you did, every, every you know, new improvement you've done or, or anything, even a product out there, an improvement to a product is based off the failure of what was perceived as a prior perfect thing. So... Let me try to put that. So if I build, like I'm looking at this microphone right now, you know, this microphone for whoever produced it, it's fucking perfect. It's exactly what they wanted as far as its ergonomics and how it receives a signal and how it looks and all that. That is perfect to them. 10 years from now, this is going to be fucking garbage. 
because they're going to have new technologies. They're going to have new ways of, you know, less weight and less bulkiness and whatnot. And I mean, you can't see the, the mic, but that kind of gives you an idea. But every improvement is based off a prior conceived notion of perfection's failures. So understand that doing your best is a pursuit of perfection without the attainment of it because perfection never exists. It's always constantly one additional step. You're always, always having, there's always more to be improved upon no matter what it is you do. Nothing out there is, has the an absolutely zero ability to be improved upon. Now, I remember somebody a couple of years ago, I think it was Zach, we were at Day of Man, and he said, man, it's just really tough to, you know, to invent or, you know, start a business because all the, all the good ideas have already been taken. And I remember I, I had said something to him. I was like, no, that's not true. It's not true at all. It's, it seems that way, but it's actually really easy to come up with a unique idea. List out 10 problems that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, and then write out 10 solutions to each of those. And you've got a hundred different product ideas or business ideas right there. You know, businesses are just solutions to problems. So that's getting way in the weeds. But if you can take those things, those ideas and those improvements and things, and you can do your best at it every single day, you're going to be successful. But I thought about it as I was on that drive to school with my daughter, I, I parked the truck and she goes to get out and I said, Hey, do your best. She said, okay, and she shut the door, and, I, and it, I don't know what it was, but it stopped me. I thought, when's the last time I told myself to do my best? I haven't. It's been a long time since I really, like, I just do it. I just get up, and I just go. But I, am I really doing my best, or am I just doing? And, you know, I just, we hold ourselves to so much less of a standard than we hold others. It's what you eat. You know, would you feed, you know, like, like, and I have been eating like shit lately, honestly. I would never feed my daughter the food that I've been eating lately. Am I being good to myself? Am I doing my best? No. Have I allowed myself to have free time to be able to think clearly and, you know, have a clear mind so that when I go, I can improve on operations rather than just put out fires? No. I haven't been doing my best. I've been doing my good, I guess, (laughs) but I can do so much better. And, you know, I, I ask her to do her best every day and she does. I'm very confident she does and she does great, but I need to ask myself to do that too. And you need to ask yourself that every day. How do you do your best? And I mean, it's, it's an exhausting thing. You know, like again, everybody has 10 things on their plate and they got five things they're capable of achieving, but Doing your best is a very freeing thing, but what it means is being proud of what you're accomplishing with that. So take some time to go and think through the bad situations and how you're going to handle them. I mean, it's the first couple, you're going to think of the bad situation. You're going to just be like, God, I hate this. I just don't want to think about this happening. But as you start to go, okay, if it did, what would I do? You start to realize that, you know what? There's really not much that can get in my way that can stop me. And how powerful of a feeling is that to start off your day? Work on that intelligence. Work on that preparedness. Work on that lack of emotion and factual interaction with every experience that comes your way and the people. Create that energy that just radiates and beams around you so people want to be around you and do your best. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be 
knocking it out of the park the first time you do it, but one foot in front of the other every single time and confidence saying, this is the best that I can do is going to make you better than anybody else. (laughs) 